Hello, this is Mel Weinstein, host of the Food Labels Revealed podcast. Welcome to the fifth episode. Later in the show, I'll take a look at some breakfast items, namely frozen waffles. But first, I've got some things to say about the podcast, and also a little bit of history about food labeling in the U.S. Things have changed with this current episode. The first four episodes of the podcast were produced prior to finding a hosting website and uploading the audio feed to podcast apps such as iTunes, Apple's Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and Beyond Pod. Also, the video slide version had yet to be placed on YouTube. Now, all the shows are published, and new episodes will be immediately available as they are uploaded. The hosting website is Podbean, and all the episodes can be listened to online by searching for the title Food Labels Revealed at www.podbean.com. Podbean is spelled P-O-D-B-E-A-N, all one word. I have a channel on YouTube devoted to this podcast, so if you prefer to listen with an accompanying slideshow, search for Food Labels Revealed at the YouTube website. And, of course, you can listen to the podcast on your smartphone or tablet by installing any of the apps mentioned before. I know that it's kind of egotistical to ask for feedback, but it is nice to know that there are listeners out there in the digital world. There are a number of ways you can let me know that you listen to the podcast. I do want to hear your comments, good, bad, or indifferent. You can subscribe, rate, and review the show at the iTunes Store, or you can like, comment, follow, or share the show at the Podbean website. Or you can subscribe to the YouTube channel and comment on individual episodes. Or... And I promise you this is the last order. You can contact me at foodlabelsrevealed at gmail.com. So, using whatever means available, please let me know what you think. Now that I've got all that communication stuff out of the way, I want to mention that I've created a mission statement for the podcast. I think it's important for the show to have a focus and a goal. This mission statement will help to guide me in producing the show so I don't get too far off base. Okay, so the statement reads as follows. The mission of the Food Labels Revealed podcast is to educate consumers about the ingredients and additives in processed foods, that is, factory-produced foods, that are sold in boxes, bags, cans, and other kinds of packages. The podcast will pay particular attention to the functions of chemical additives and their safety. Additionally, the podcast will examine the nutritive value of commercial foods as reported by the Nutrition's Facts label and relate this evaluation to human health. Whenever possible, the podcast will recommend alternatives to the worst examples of processed foods to encourage consumers to make healthier choices. Also, Book and media references will be provided to listeners to further educate them about the processed foods that they're eating. Okay, now I'm going to get a little serious and talk about the advent of nutritional labeling in the U.S. Anybody about 22 years or younger 
probably takes for granted the nutrition facts label that appears on almost all processed food packages. But for those of us who are considerably older than 22, we know that those labels didn't always exist. Up to the late 1960s, food packages didn't say much about nutrient content. From the early 40s to the mid-60s, some information about sodium content or total calories were, was seen on some food labels, but the Food and Drug Administration, aka the FDA, considered those foods for special dietary uses. Some food companies maybe volunteered that information, or the FDA required nutrient labeling if a food company made specific health claims, such as each serving contains 25% of a daily supply of fiber. However, in the 70s and 80s, there was mounting evidence based on scientific research that consumers may not be getting sufficient nutrients from the growing consumption of ready-to-eat processed foods or that consumers may be eating foods that were loaded with unhealthy ingredients. In the late 80s, the Surgeon General and the National Research Council published the relationship between diet and the major causes of death among Americans, namely heart disease, cancer, stroke, and diabetes. The government institutions started talking about how reducing the consumption of fat, cholesterol, and salt, and increasing the consumption of complex carbs and fiber could help reduce the cases of those deadly diseases. Because of the growing relationship between food, nutrients, and health, food manufacturers became very interested, interested in touting the nutrient benefits of their products by using undefined claims on their product labels, such as extremely low in saturated fat. The flagrant use of health claims on food labels and in advertising got the concerned attention of government officials. So, in 1990, in the public interest, the federal government passed the Nutrition Labeling and Education Act, which authorized the FDA to require nutrition labeling of most foods. Strange, there's no cutesy acronym for this law. Nobody calls it Enlia or something like that. Additionally, the FDA established guidelines for food companies to follow when making health claims on package labels. It took several years for the guidelines to get implemented as provisions were being written. The provisions covering health claims were implemented in January of 1993 and technical amendments were published in August of that year. The final law, with all the regulations covering nutrition labeling, became effective in May 1994, four years after the legislature passed the Nutrition Labeling and Education Act. And so was born the Nutrition Facts label that has become so ubiquitous in our local supermarkets and convenience stores. As with many federal laws, there were exemptions. Of course, the major exemption was for restaurants. They did not have to comply with the standards. Other exemptions included the following. Small businesses, defined by certain gross sales or number of full-time employees. Places that serve food for immediate consumption, like schools, airlines, bakeries, and delis. Foods prepared at retail establishments that were not sold outside the establishment. Foods that contained insignificant amounts of nutrients, like coffee 
infant formula, which was sub subject to another law called the Infant Formula Act, medical foods, bulk foods, raw foods, like fruits and vegetables, foods with very small labels like gum wrappers, but the information had to be available to the consumer upon request. Finally, there were certain nutrients that didn't need to be listed for foods sold for infants under two years of age. Even with these limitations, the government did a pretty good job requiring food companies to inform us about the levels of nutrients in their products. The law wasn't perfect, and it required uh, appeasements to food companies, but it definitely provided information to consumers that was not available before or was in scant supply. I can't say this very often, but kudos to the U.S. government for pulling that one off. I don't imagine that the food manufacturers were all too thrilled about it. Okay, let's get to the food investigation for today. It's an almost ready-to-eat breakfast food for people who don't like to spend time preparing a homemade breakfast. This breakfast, you just take it out of the freezer and pop it into your toaster. Yes, I'm talking about frozen waffles. I want to compare products between two companies. One of the companies is very well known for its waffles and uses lots of advertising. The other company is lesser known and is an organic product. Alright, let's start with Kellogg's Eggo Thick and Fluffy Frozen Waffles. In my local supermarket, they sell for $2.50 for six waffles and weigh in at 11.6 ounces. Let's take a look at the Eggo ingredients. We have enriched flour, which is wheat flour with vitamins and minerals, water, vegetable oil, which could be soybean oil or palm oil or canola oil, or I really should say and or canola oil. Then we have eggs, sugar, leavening, and the leavening is composed of baking soda, sodium aluminum phosphate, and monocalcium phosphate. And we have 2% or less of salt, artificial flavor, whey, soy lecithin, yellow 5, and yellow 6. Not counting vitamins and minerals, there are 14 ingredients in each waffle. As usual, with several exceptions, I'm not going to discuss the common and innocuous ingredients. So I'll skip talking about water and just say a few words about eggs and salt. However, I will still number the ingredients as if I was talking about all of them. If you've listened to the first four episodes, you're bound to notice that many ingredients are repeatedly used by the packaged food industry. For items that I've already talked about in detail before, I'll refer you back to a previous episode and just touch on them lightly here. The number one main ingredient is enriched flour, a euphemism for white flour that's had some vitamins and minerals added to it to try to bring back nutrients that were stripped out of the original whole wheat flour. The third ingredient is vegetable oil, a generic ingredient named or I should say it's a, a generic ingredient name that represents processed oil derived from a number of plant sources. In this case, we're talking cheap soybean oil, uh, as well as palm oil and or canola oil. 
Most likely palm oil, since it's sourced overseas, is the most expensive. So Kellogg probably uses canola oil in place of palm oil or mixes it in with other, the other two oils. Both the soy and canola oils are very likely obtained from genetically modified crops. Palm oil is pretty controversial since much of it comes from Indonesia and Malaysia where rainforests are devastated by deforestation leading to loss of habitats for rare animals like orangutans and tigers. We're likely to see more and more palm oil in commercial foods because it's a replacement for hydrogenated oils. The FDA has placed a ban on hydrogenated oils due to trans fat, which is scheduled to go into effect within a few years. The third ingredient is eggs. Kellogg's was smart to include eggs in a product that they named Eggo. But how much egg winds up in each waffle? Well, just for fun, let's find out. We know from the nutrition facts label that there are 8 grams of oil in each waffle and 2 grams of sugar. Since eggs show up on the ingredients label between oil and sugar, then there must be somewhere between 2 and 8 grams of eggs in each waffle. How much do the contents of an egg weigh? According to one internet search, the content of an average egg weighs 51 grams. So doing some simple division, for example, 2 divided by 51 and 8 divided by 51, each waffle has between 3.9 and 15.7% of an egg. Since there are 8 waffles in a the box, then Kellogg's use somewhere between a third of an egg and one and a fourth eggs for the whole box. According to classic recipes for waffles, the one and a fourth egg content would be about right. This is an example of how to get weight or percentage estimates for specific ingredients in processed foods when they are not listed on the package. Pretty cool, hey? The fifth ingredient is sugar. As mentioned in earlier episodes, we don't know the source of the sugar. It could come from either sugar cane or sugar beets. The sixth through eighth ingredients are parts of the leavening agent or baking powder used to bake the waffles. The baking soda or sodium bicarbonate is very common and no more needs to be said about it. The seventh ingredient is sodium aluminum phosphate. That chemical is a white odorless insoluble solid added to self-rising dough and acts as a buffer or acid controller. Upon heating in an oven it reacts with the baking soda to cause the waffles to rise. Note that the aluminum is not a nutrient that the human body needs. Some medical researchers have suggested that aluminum plays a role in Alzheimer's disease since it shows up in the brains of Alzheimer's victims. The eighth ingredient is monocalcium phosphate, also called calcium dihydrogen phosphate. It's also used as a neutral, neutralizing additive in self-rising flowers. You know, it reacts with the baking soda and produces carbon dioxide, which you know, causes the, uh, the bread to rise. With two acidic components, the leavening agent can be described as a double-acting baking powder. The tenth ingredient is artificial flavor. This is the ingredient of the day. This generic term, 
could represent a zillion substances that the Food and Drug Administration has approved for use in foods. The word artificial, of course, means that the additive has been synthetically made in a factory. According to the author Melanie Warner, who wrote Pandora's Lunchbox, over half of the roughly 5,000 additives allowed in food are flavorings. Now, why are flavorings added to Kellogg, Kellogg's Eggo waffles? It's impossible, <laughs> I should say it's possible, that they may be present not to add a particular flavor, but to cover up some offending flavor coming from an additive in the product. There's quite a science in creating artificial flavors. Some of them are used to mimic real foods, like, I quote, roast chicken type flavor, or a grilled flavor, or a fruity flavor. Also, artificial flavors may have no taste on their own, but they could enhance flavors like sweetness or savoriness. There are some big companies in that business. To name a few, there is International Flavors and Fragrances, Ferminich, Simrise, Innova, and Sentient. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. The eleventh ingredient is whey. This is a very common ingredient in the processed food industry and has been mentioned in earlier episodes. When the fat and protein is removed from milk, the remaining liquid is whey. It has various uses such as a texturizer, processing aid, and nutritional extender. In the Kellogg's waffles, it's most likely serving as a processing aid. The twelfth ingredient is soy lecithin. Although it hasn't been discussed before, soy lecithin is one of the ten most used ingredients in processed foods. Its purpose in the waffles is to keep the dough from sticking and improve the ability of the dough to rise. Lecithin is a natural product and available from many plant sources. It's found in every living cell and is particularly concentrated in the brain, heart, liver, and kidneys. Lecithin can be derived from various plant sources, but soybeans are cheap and plentiful in this country, so Kellogg's chose to use soy lecithin. Always keep in mind that large manufacturers, whenever possible, will use the cheapest ingredients in their products to maximize profits. Every penny they save on the cost of an ingredient can amount to millions of dollars in increased income. The last two ingredients, numbers 13 and 14, are the artificial colors, yellow 5 and yellow 6. Now why Kellogg's would need to add yellow colors, not just one, but two, to their waffles is a bit puzzling. I can only guess that without the yellow dyes, the color of the, color of the waffles might look unappealing. You will find significant information about artificial dyes in episode number one, where yellow six was the ingredient of the day. They have a very interesting history and a not so great effect on human health. I'm not going to say a whole lot about the nutritional quality of the Eggo waffles, since there's nothing particularly nasty about them. But they are high in fat, since eating two of them will give you 16 grams of fat, or about 24% of the daily value. Likewise, with the sodium, eating two waffles will deliver almost 600 milligrams, or about 24% of the daily value for sodium. Now, if you eat three or four of these waffles, which would not be hard to do, those numbers could go up to 48% of the daily values, not counting any butter or margarine uh, that might be used on the waffles. 
Let's take a break. It's joke time. A police officer stops a food scientist for speeding and asks her very nicely if he could see her license. She replied in a huff, I wish you guys would get your act together. Just yesterday you take away my license and then today you expect me to show it to you. Now, that's a nasty laugh. Sounds like my uh, my old stepmother. Let's move on to Ego's competitor, namely Vans Natural Foods Organic Waffles. In my local supermarket, they sell for $2.99 for six waffles that weigh in at 8.5 ounces. Now, Vans is actually owned by Hillshire Brands, a manufacturer of packaged meat and frozen bakery products. But Hillshire Brands is a wholly owned subsidiary of Tyson Foods, an even bigger packaged meat company. People who are vegetarian or vegan could have some ethical issues in buying Vans products, since their money would indirectly be supporting the meat industry. All right, so let's start. Here are the ingredients in the Vans waffles. Uh, on their label is a statement before you see the ingredients. Quote, proudly our ingredients, unquote. Now here they are. Water, organic whole wheat flour, organic unbleached wheat flour, organic soybean oil, organic flaxseed, organic cane sugar, organic oat fiber, baking powder composed of sodium acid pyrophosphate, baking soda, rice flour, and monocalcium phosphate. Then we have organic malt extract, sea salt, organic soy lecithin, organic guar gum, and finally organic caramel coloring. It's pretty interesting uh, that, that the Vans product actually has more ingredients in it than the Kellogg's product. A common rule of thumb for health conscious consumers is to buy foods with the lowest number of ingredients. But as we see, uh, that might not apply in this case. The second and third ingredients in the Vans waffles are organic flours, a definite step up above the non-organic enriched wheat flour in the Kellogg's product. The whole wheat flour doesn't have to be fortified with external vitamins and minerals. The other wheat flour is unbleached, so hazardous chemicals used for bleaching are avoided. In episode number two, I talked in some detail about bleached flour. The fourth ingredient is organic soybean oil. Other than its organic nature, this ingredient is similar to what was in the Eggo's waffles. But the consumer is assured that the oil is non-GMO and free of nasty agrochemicals. The fifth ingredient is organic flaxseed, a healthful whole food. Ground flaxseed, ground flaxseed is frequently used as a binder. I'm not certain of this, but most likely Vans is not using whole flaxseeds, but rather the ground version. Whole flaxseeds would be a bit difficult to chew and could get stuck in between your teeth. The sixth ingredient is organic cane sugar. Note that the source of the sugar is reported in the Vans product compared to most other processed foods that have sugar. Because they use cane sugar, you know that this is not a GMO ingredient. The seventh ingredient is organic oat flour. 
This material comes from the non-digestible oat hull and not from the oat groat, which is used to make oatmeal. It serves as a form of insoluble fiber and helps keeps, keep the bowels moving. The 8th through 11th ingredients make up the leavening agent. It's similar to the one used in a Kellogg's waffles uh, with two differences. Instead of sodium aluminum phosphate, sodium acid pyrophosphate, also called SAP, S-A-P-P, is used as the acid controller. Also, rice flour is listed as an ingredient in the leavening agent. The rice flour probably protects against premature reactions in the leavening agent caused by humid storage conditions. Note that with the exception of the rice, the leavening agents are all industrial chemicals, so you won't see the words all natural on the Vans box, or organic for that matter, uh, as far as the leavening agent is concerned. The twelfth ingredient is organic malt extract. It is added as a nutritive sweetener and therefore serves as a second source of sugar in the waffles. It is usually derived from the fermentation of barley. This ingredient was also described in episode number three. The thirteenth ingredient is sea salt. This type of salt has, little, has a little higher value than table salt due to the presence of additional minerals. The fourteenth ingredient is organic soy lecithin. That's similar to what was in the Eggo waffles. The 15th ingredient is organic guar gum. Guar gum is a thickening agent. The 16th ingredient is organic caramel color. Caramel coloring has a brownish tint, so Vance decided their waffles needed a darker color. Since it's an organic product, they, they couldn't use artificial colors as in the Eggo waffles. The derivation of caramel color was described in detail in episode number three. Well, that's it for the ingredients, so let's talk about nutrition. The Vans waffles, they have 50% less fat per waffle, 3.5 grams versus 7, compared to the Eggo. They have about half the sodium, 150 milligrams versus 290 milligrams, and they have two and a half times as much fiber. So, in the final analysis, we have two frozen convenience foods. Which product is the better buy and which is better for you? To compare the prices, let's look at the cost per waffle for each brand. The Eggo's cost is $2.50 for six waffles or 42 cents per waffle. The Vans cost is $2.99 for six waffles, or 50 cents per waffle. Furthermore, the Eggo's box has 11.6 ounces of waffles versus only 8.5 ounces for the Vans. So, just according to price and content weight, the Eggo's product is a much better buy. However, the quality difference between the two products is huge. The Vans product is organic, so the ingredients won't be contaminated with pesticides and herbicides. Several nutritional aspects are much better in the Vans product, and it has no artificial colors or flavorings. As with many organic choices, consumers do need to decide whether the higher quality of the organic pro product is worth the extra expense. So that's the end of today's food ingredient investigation. 
I sincerely hope that these shows are helping you ferret out the ingredients in commercial processed foods and helping you to make smarter decisions about what to eat. As pointed out earlier in the podcast, there are very strong links between chronic diseases and the quality of the food we consume. By paying close attention to the foods we buy, that is reading ingredient labels and scanning the nutrition facts labels, we can possibly prevent serious downturns in our health as we get older. So, people, start looking at those food labels, looking at the ingredients and the nutrition facts. Farewell, food eaters, and remember this, if you want to eat well and keep yourself healthy, eat food mainly from natural plants, not manufacturing plants.